This is Hank for the Wallflower Bee Farm. It's Friday, August 12, 2022. It's been a while. Boy, what a week. Started with a... I'm going I'm to go through a bit of the experience with what we call the weed police. Uh, and then I'll talk about the bees somewhat, because we have a lot to talk about. I'm going to do a number of podcasts this week and put them up over the next month, probably, because there's so much going on. But as you know, we're converting our 50 acres back to nature and the first thing they asked me when I looked at the tall grass prairie and adding wildflowers to the farm and just converting it back to nature, they said to me, as a former farmer, can you live with weeds? And I said, well, what are you talking about? I remember at the time I asked, what, what are you talking about? And they said, well, many of the things that you call weeds, we call wildflowers and you know important uh, plants to the habitat. And I said, well, I'm fine with that. I don't need to cut something like a golf course. I'm fine if, if that's what happens. So sure enough, this year, because of the drought, we had uh, just an explosion of uh, purple thistle. Now, a bit of a background. Purple thistle is actually the national flower of Scotland since uh, 1200 AD. And if you do a little digging, you'll find out it's quite a good story about how that happened. Um, it's also an extremely valuable plant to pollinators, but it's basically been eradicated around North America because people hate it. Disgusting. They just they just can't stand it because of the the prickly leaves and it grows everywhere. It's particularly the Canadian thistle. It's it's a bit of a creeper. So once you get a Canadian thistle, it will start to grow and eventually take over a plot of land. So when we had the Canadian thistle come up, what happened was because of the drought, a lot of the clover actually just burned off. The the, the leaves did uh, the the plants weren't available to the bees as they usually are. So there was there was really sort of almost a dearth or a lack of food for the bees. So the purple thistle came on strong and, and really saved our hives. Uh, just to give you an update, we went from uh, 32 hives and six swarms came in and, and chose to live, or six of our bees' uh, hives swarmed and choose to, chose to live in some of the swarm homes we set up for them. And so we have a total, because two of the original hives we had were queenless, we now are at 36 hives as of today, which is quite incredible. We have two in top bar, two in uh, actually log, it's a log hive, uh, and the remainder are in the traditional uh, Langstroth hives, and we have some nukes that we'll be trying this winter as well. So it's quite a busy place, and we have all of the different genetics going on. Uh, we have the um, uh, Buckfest with some Carney, and then we have some um, Saskatraz, and what I call a Zavitz uh, from uh, near Guelph. And so we have quite a mixture of genetics this year on the farm, including some aggressive uh, bees. So when I got back, I got this warning notice that um, someone had complained about our purple thistle. It was a neighbor, and I knew who it was. And rather than talk to me or, you know, try to discuss things, they just go and complain, which is a cowardly way to deal with this. But anyway, so the... Inspectors, uh, I get a, I get a no. And by the way, I know who it was because they inadvertently put the complainant's address on the complaint to me, which tells you a little bit uh, something there. Anyway, um, so I called the gentleman and I said, you know, I got your notice. I was trying to explain to him about the benefits of the purple thistle to the um, environment, what we're doing, and the bees, and how. And by the way, if you look around our property, uh, there's agriculture all around us. There isn't one 
weed that's on our farm, they would call it a weed, I call it wildflowers, that's on any of these farms because uh, purple thistle is easily killed, for example, with the Roundup Ready, which they use all around us. The only problem we've had and other farmers have had is with what's called volunteer canola because you can't kill it if it's in, say, a soybean field. But as far as any of the plants growing on our farm, there is no infestation to neighbors because they kill it when they plant their crops. Anyway, we had this discussion, and by the end it got a bit heated, and the gentleman said to me, well, he was, I said, there's, not, there's no way I'm cutting the purple thistle. First of all, it's inundated with other plants around it. So if you're going to cut it, you're going to cut other plants, which are now blooming, including what's coming up shortly, which is a huge goldenrod bloom. And, and secondly, it does nothing because it's already spread its seeds, and cutting it will do nothing to stop it anyway. Well, he would not hear of it, and he um, said that if necessary, they would bring the police in, cut my fence, because we have the property fenced in anticipation of such stupidity. And uh, we kind of left on negative terms. So I contacted my experts at St. William's Nursery and got their opinion of, you know, when do you cut this? Because obviously we want a balance on our farm, and we don't want it overrun with anything, whether it be, I mean, any type of blooming plant but we do want to let nature to take its course but he said to me that the best time is in the spring if you want to control it you'll never eradicate it thankfully but to, to get rid of some of it in these spots you need to do some cutting and then through legal investigation we determined we found out that in 2021 my my town actually passed a bylaw allowing for the naturalization of lands with some rules and continuing they say to somewhat respect the noxious weed act which is a provincial a list of weeds that came out probably 50 years ago or whatever when there weren't the sprays available to farmers so the fear was if you had a lot of you know these these plants on your farm they would ruin the local agricultural economy well for example since these um, roundup ready uh, products have come out forget what they're doing to the environment our bees or cancer or health or whatever they're they're allowing people to grow you know 200 bushels of corn and 80 bushels of soybeans or whatever per acre which is great for agriculture, but the list is really out, to, out of date. So when I looked at the list, the only thing I needed to do for this new bylaw in my town that I'm not doing was to cut a one meter or three feet swath or buffer between my property and the offending neighbor, offended neighbor, I should say. So I promptly went out and did that, tipped my hat, to the neighbor because I'm sure he was watching and videoing and let him basic know that was it and uh, then I recall I called up the inspector again and we had a discussion with the weed police and we ended on very good terms because he said he wanted me to try as I was and he didn't know about the bylaw because he was provincially driven not locally driven but there's a conflict between a lot of the language written in the local bylaw and the old noxious weed act which is why he was going to come in and cut my purple thistle. Make a long story short, he agreed that I was complying with his law and of course I was complying with the local municipal law so they weren't going to come in with the police and put me in jail for stopping them from cutting down my habitat. He did suggest however that I consider spraying the property which of course that's not going to happen because of what we're trying to do here. So that was the whole weed police issue. I also want to thank the Blenheim News Tribune who put my letter to the editor in when I talked about, you know, them coming to destroy 1.2 million bees. 
and um, the support on Instagram and any of you who, who, who just reached out and said what you can do to help. It was just nice to hear that you supported what we're doing. I'll give you a brief summary of what's happening. So that's a good good ending. For, you know, we're getting along. I'm sure every year we'll get complaints because, you know, you can't stop purple thistle and a few other plants. And there's probably some advocacy necessary to change that noxious weed list. They should put, and I asked the gentleman, I said, do you have, you know, GMO trained canola on your list? Because once it comes into an area, it's very difficult to eradicate. And I would prefer purple thistle, as would most farmers would prefer me to have purple thistle on my farm than uh, volunteer canola, which you cannot kill. Uh, so, so to make a long story short, that was resolved. And the bees are absolutely unbelievably rocking. Now, I did just post again on the infrared hive. I'll just talk about that one, and I'll talk about the other hives on the next podcast. But the infrared hive, I uh, swarmed on August 2nd sometime in the early afternoon if you happen to be watching on our webcam please reach out and have a look at our webcam it's free for seven days you don't have to put in any payment information just go in and watch and if you see any information anything you want to comment on as it's happening please um you know send us what's called an observation form it's automatic on the site we add it to our database and it helps us think and learn more about our bees so i went in yesterday and i opened the hive because after they swarmed, there was very little activity. And I did a video, and I'll be posting that probably sometime in the next two weeks. And when I went in and looked, there were really, uh, there was no sign of a queen. There was a queen cell had been formed and closed. So there was a queen incubating there. Uh, there were no, uh, I couldn't see any um, eggs. I didn't go through the entire hive, but I couldn't see any brood other than some drone, a bit of drone, not a lot of drone, so it didn't look to me like there was a laying um, worker. But again, I didn't go through the entire hive because I didn't want to disrupt them to the extent of taking the whole thing apart. But what I did notice, of course, was that they were very lethargic. They weren't very active. Then today I looked at the 24-7 cam, plus I was out walking the, the farm and, and doing an inventory, and it, and it had just changed. The front of that hive was active. The bees were coming in and out. I don't know what's going on because there were drones coming and going like I'd never seen in a hive, probably going to a drone congregation site. There could be other queens from late swarms. I don't know what the chances are. Generally, they say after June, if you're if your hive swarms, it has no chance in heck of making it. But we have so much um, honey, pollen, and environment here, habitat for them. Um, most of our bees were probably finished gathering um, very early um, because their hives are just packed. We have mainly singles with a few doubles and some um, nukes, which I'll be talking about later. So lots to talk about. I'll be doing a lot of uh, podcasts and keeping some of them back so you can listen in you know, September, October as things start to wind down here in the farm. So please go have a look at our webcam 24-7. It's on. See what's happening at night. We still see a few of them come out to infrared sun bathe. We don't know what's going to happen with this. I have my doubts it's going to make it past August, but we'll see if a queen does make it or if they get attacked. They seem very vulnerable to attack, but we'll see. It hasn't happened yet. So go to wildflowerbeefarm.com. You can sign up for our 24-7 cam, watch our videos, and uh, very excited this is an exciting time our goal right now we have 36 hives and our goal is to hopefully go into the winter with 25 um, and then hopefully come out of the winter with a minimum of 10 because of the way we're managing 
our bees, and I will talk more about that in future podcasts. I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. Thanks for listening.